bloopers. What's up, Jordan? Not a whole lot, Jimmy. How are we doing today? Oh, we're good. We're good. Yeah? Good. Came out of a weekend and yeah, no, we're we're good. You know what I did yesterday? What'd I've been do? itching, looking out my front yard, the grass. And it was did just it was just it, it was it was I mowed it. And there wasn't my neighbors aren't happy with me. They talked to me about it. You set the you set the pace. I, I set the pace. I had some leaves and other stuff, and you know how the grass gets clumpy. And so all three of my neighbors, I'm looking at all of them right now, they all kind of like came together and congregated and put their hands on their hips, just watched me cut the grass back and forth and tried to ignore them, but it just took only last so long. So as soon as I shut the motor down on the lawnmower, they they came over and let me know what what I what they think and how it was gonna impact their daily lives with their wives looking across the street at the yard. <laughs> I just said, hey guys, <laughs> take some pride in your yard. That's <laughs> it. So I did. I got the first cut in yesterday. Well good for you. I looked this right. morning and I'm like it's coming. My yard's a little bigger than yours. It's a little bigger. Yeah. Uh, I got a high school kid that's bowed. He's uh he's mowed for me the last couple of years. So I look at it and this is this is the engineering side it goes in. I'm like, okay, I need to change the blades because I got new sharp blades. I need to change the oil because I put it out, put it up. I came her logo. Jacob hooked us up with logo up top. We uh yeah, so I got I got I figured out this morning that it's coming. And then Chris and I, one of one of our one of our engineers, Jordan knows Chris, but not maybe the world. So Chris and I walk pretty much every morning and we saw a couple overachievers like yourself mode hey, man yeah. it's just time it was it was it was like 60 or 65 here all, uh, yesterday nice. and yep. it's nice that well we had all that that wind and that rain that was here on thursday or friday whatever the, i think that was on friday so i was driving back uh on on friday afternoon my car was just going sideways and saturday was beautiful so yesterday was beautiful and today's pretty nice yeah let's talk so, about that wind that uh <sighs> I've, we, Chris and I this morning, we were talking and saying, I'm going to be in, when I get to be an older man and I'm going to remember the winds of, of April or what is it? March, March of 2023. We're going to be able to tell the people said, you remember that in 2023 when the wind, so Holly was telling me these winds were coming and I, I don't watch, I don't check the weather unless I've got an outside act. I'm just not a get up and check the weather right. person. And, um, I think you're either a check the weather type person or you're not. But I agree. Done, I got an app. I check it if I like have to go somewhere. I want to know how warm or cold it is. But uh, when uh, Holly was telling me, my wife Holly was telling me about it, and they were calling for like gust of 80 miles per hour, and I think it hit. We had a lot of damage. My my parents and my brother and sister, my brother in law and sister, they were out. They were out. They didn't have electricity all weekend. So we set generators up and I luckily got away. I had a couple of damn, I got some rentals, you know, rental properties and I have two roofs damaged that I got to get fixed, but those winds were wild. And when Holly told me about it, I don't remember if I told you last time, but Patagonia, when we went to Patagonia, they had oh. these winds that come in about three o'clock in the afternoon, had no idea. And we're coming through a mountain pass and where I got a picture of, where is it? Patagonia is behind me right there. I moved, I moved the picture so it looks a little better. Can you see it? <laughs> I can Probably see it. Far yep. Away, but yep. Well, it's we the one with reflection, right? Uh, it's the one right below our picture there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You took that one. Yep. Yes. That's at a little cottage we took before we took the 
the O and W trek is what they call it. 60, 70 mile per hour or 60 to 70 miles hike. So we're coming through the main, the main thing to see there is Torres del Payne. They've got these, the, they've got a, I'm going to forget to name them, but they got a real scenic view and you got to climb up into the mountain to get it. And there's a little area that has sign and everything. It says windy pass. Well, I went through the windy pass when we were walking out to it, had no idea, didn't research it enough, which is totally unlike me coming back through the windy pass, had a 30 pounds backpack sitting above my shoulders back. And it was three or four o'clock in the afternoon. The windy pass turned into the windy pass. I had to get down on my knees and crawl through this windy pass because it's about a thousand to 500 thousand feet drop off to the side. One of the sheer drop and these winds were the real deal and then they yeah. hit us again so i started looking at a map after this and they had a little picture of triton blowing at all the little windy spots and i wasn't very happy with it you you uh i got a video of me you've seen it where I've christian it, yeah. christian was with us and took took the video of me across the swinging bridge of death and the wind hit me about two-thirds of the way across it and so I tried to tell Holly and explain to her, it's like this, these are the type of winds that they come that was down at Patagonia that scared me half to death. And uh, oh, I mean, they were, was... man, I've never seen wind stay. I don't know if it was as bad up no, here, three or four o'clock till probably 10 o'clock at night. It was just constant. We've had winds at high, but. It was just a long period of time. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, oh, we man. probably, I don't think we had it quite. I mean, it was super windy. Um, I don't think we got quite as windy as you. It was windy from probably four or five until really about two o'clock in the morning is when we had it. But I there wasn't a whole lot of damage here. Like there's a couple of trees down in my neighborhood, but they were kind of like those pine trees with the shallow roots. Yeah. Um, fortunately, we didn't have any issues, no electricity electricity losses. But yeah, I think I think your area, Lexington, I think they got hit a little bit harder with the wind than we did. But even then, I mean, it was just raining and it was just sideways wet. It was, it was, it was not great. It wasn't a lot of fun. So um, somebody needs to name it. And I'm like, I don't even know what you name it, but I thought of Chris Farley where you remember when he used to do the El Nino uh and when El Nino was coming, it's showing her at my age anyway, Saturday night live, Chris Farley, but like somebody needs to name this, this wind event. Well, you know, Summer and myself and Harper have been watching Survivor and we watched season 32. We were so that's yeah. about 10 seasons in the past and we we're watching season 33 and one of the first episodes are in Fiji and they're they they decided to do this during cyclone season. So there they are, yeah. day 2. Yes. The two tribes, millennial yep. millennials versus Gen Xers. Yes. You and I would have been split on our teams, millennials <laughs> and Gen Xers. And uh, day two, they evacuate them because they had a state of tropical storm no. that escalated yep. into a cyclone. And I'm yes. like, imagine that. And they were showing the, the water and the wind and the trees and just, just, destroyed you know, some, their camps, destroyed. Oh their yeah. I mean, already yep. lack of camps they had. Unfortunately, the millennials didn't show up very good in the first couple of days. They kind of yep. were out on the beach swimming, weren't really putting up their camp. It just wasn't a priority to them. So, but yeah. uh yeah, yeah. So wind's just no joke. But anyways, I love I that show. We I do too. I've seen all of them except the latest season. Holly, oh, really? Holly and I like watching it and then Amazing Race both. Yeah. She she likes Amazing Race more than I do, but 
I'm I like Survivor more. We all we all like it. I was a that's the year I graduated. Ninety nine is when it first came out. So that's how been long pretty, the show's been pretty been successful. There. Yeah, and it was yeah. the first of the kind. You remember it was the first? It was yeah. the first really reality show. And right, it's changed a lot. It used to be. I, I feel like it used to be more about surviving. Now it's more about like the the tactics you have at the game, building your alliances, your strategy. Storylines, you know. Yeah. Sto- yeah, I think they. Which I, I look, I get, but uh, no, we 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 just saw season thirty two because it was on Netflix. Could and, you do it? Mm, mm, I think I could. I just couldn't be away from the family that long. That would yeah. be the challenge, right? But I think being out there and you know sleeping outdoors and those tents and everything else, yeah, I think I could do all that. But uh, yeah, I couldn't be gone for thirty nine days. Yeah, other survivor. But how would that conversation be, go with Summer? It wouldn't. It wouldn't make it past. I applied. <laughs> I would just be. I would be cut off. So no, I don't. It's not that I don't want to do it, but if I had to do it, I think I could do it. I've threatened. I to think do it'd it be fun. I like. I got my wrestling coach and I. My old wrestling coach and I. We hike and travel and do stuff all together. And he had a brain. He had a a spot on his. I don't know what it was. He had a a tumor or something on his brain that was pretty serious, and he lost. He had it removed, but he lost hearing out of his left ear. And he's older now, so I'm like, we could play it up. It's like you're a survivor, and look at your your uh, you've lost hearing, and we were you coached me 20 plus years ago, and let's apply for the amazing race. But I'm with you. It's like I hate to leave. I've well, when we went to Patagonia, the worst part of it was leaving the family, and there's not a you got three or four kids, you got three, I got four, but knowing you're more than a day away if something you needed to get home or not. It's not that that's the worst part of the traveling. Well, you're not going to have a self plan this summer. And that's, that's yeah. the only thing I'm not looking forward to is leaving <clears> them. And Holly doesn't care. She's a, she's great about it. She doesn't care. And, uh, but she still hate to leave them, but I got, sure. I got, she's got my parents and her parents. I mean, we're all a solid half mile and a mile <laughs> away from each other. So. <laughs> She's got support, but I still don't like to leave them. So no, I get you. It, it, it's it's always difficult, even the day trips. So, yes. all right, do we want to get well, in? So we got yeah. like this is uh, this is technically the second video podcast we recorded. We don't know if we're going to release the first one because it was more practice and we're working things out. But we got a couple things that we can talk about. So we we feel like we <laughs> well. I don't know that we've landed on a name, but we've got a name. Getting so, closer. Right. We'll George, see how long Jordan it's and text. I typically work this way. I'll throw like 10 or 20 things across to him and send him text. And then maybe a week later, maybe if I'm lucky and he's got his phone in front of him, he'll respond right away. But so I put out a bunch of different names and none of them really stuck. And we ended up, what we, what we just do? The Zion experience. The Zion experience. EZE is what we think we're going to land on and call it. And we'll just see if we like it or don't like it. We can always change. I was right. watching the I show. I introduced Bubba. We're really not that that big of a backwards down here. But my son, I, I, his nickname's Bubba, but it's James. I was watching Macho Man Randy Savage's uh, biography on the A&E channel the other night. So I introduced him to fake wrestling is what he calls it. Fake and, wrestling. The Rock started out as Rocky something. So everybody knows The Rock. So even The Rock 
eventually evolved to a different name, but he was Rocky Malvoa or something. I, I butchered it, but he was something before he, when he was a baby face, before he, um, before he changed to the rock. And then they walked through, we watched his rivalry with Steve Stone Cold, Steve Austin the other night and the, the evolution of the rock. And I kind of remember it, but so we're going to do the Zion experience. Right. Oh, um, you think it wasn't, that? Well, it yeah. was the Facebook, right? They dropped the V and made it Facebook.com. So, you know, maybe we're onto something and we'll be competing with Facebook here and we'll just become Zion experience, you know, who knows? But uh, yeah, for now Zion it's, experience. yeah, we, we seem to really like the letters that are difficult to explain over the phone because, you know, our website is the ZSG.com. There's a lot of yeah. E type sounds in there, right? So now we're, yeah. T-Z-E, the Zion experience. So just kind of sticking to theme of making it difficult to, to, to enunciate at times without using your E as for elephants, but we'll, we, we'll get it there. We threw out there, we were going to do Not Your Dad's Company, but I don't think that's going to stick. We, right. uh, we're trying to do something. It's the mixture between somebody having interest in it and and not, but we know it's going to be business, but not all business, but we want it to tie back. And, you know, we're the Zion is our brand. You know, we're pretty proud of that. And so we'll, we'll do it. TZE. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to the first official episode of TZE. And I think we're, what are we going to talk about today, Jordan? Yeah. So I think today it's a topic that I think is very relevant going into ProMat this year, which is just a couple of weeks away up in Chicago. And it's, it's a theme that you've probably heard of before, but something that we have some experience and knowledge in. So what we're going to talk about today is simply fixed versus flexible automation. Um, which option is right for you and may not be a singular answer. And we're not here to really answer a singular question, but more so talk around the topic of you hear fixed, you hear flexible, you hear automation, you hear robotics, you hear goods to person, but what does it all mean? Right. And, and what different types of scenarios do we see those playing in? So I think what we wanted to do today is kind of start talking about, um, what each of those mean, fixed versus flexible. And I think we'll start with fixed automation and just give a general background of what it is, where it's where it's played in the industry, where we've seen it. Um, but so, Jimmy, I don't know. Do you want to start with the your, your experience of fixed automation or do you want me to tackle it? What's better? Well, I mean, I think we I, I think this is the beautiful thing about it. I've seen two or three different. I'm sure you have as well, but there's different mm -hmm. articles have come out and what people classify as fixed versus flexible has probably changed. Sure. Especially changed in the last two to three years of, of some people even have a different, I would call, I always use the word mechanization versus automation. So when I traditionally hear automation, as I've grown up in the industry, my mind went to, you think of ASRS systems, you think of full blown robotic automation systems and so a lot of people interchange that but for for me here's how i would define it and you 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 may define it differently but if you take fixed automation i would think of more fixed structures that aren't <laughs> i'm going to use the word aren't flexible so you think of some of the <laughs> the uh, the offerings good to person system offerings that you you've really got to commit to similar to like an ASRS some of the shuttle systems some of the first iterations of goods to person you're building precision racking you're building you know what you order is what you get a lot of it's predicated on how many cranes or elevators you got or kind of they're the big design points and um, 
they could be 12 to 18 month lead times. And so that would be a form for me of fixed automation. Certainly the cranes and the mini loads and ASRS, all the, all three levels, shuttles, mini load and ASRS. And there's several good offerings out there. Some brands that you, you, you can hear Knapp's got them, TGW's got them. Um, you could even go into more of the auto store type. That's really, you're, they're not overly flexible. You have to design them. They're not rigid. I don't want to call them rigid because that'd be wrong, but they're built to certain design criteria. So that's where I'd call some fixed automation. And the other fixed automation, I'd just go back to a traditional sortation and traditional conveyance and traditional, you know, think all the way down to buffer size lane or buffer lanes and uh, putting in a cross belt sorter, putting in a sliding chute fitting putting in fixed type automation. So in my mind, I look at it and say, if, if you can't change it in six to 12 months and you're building it for a design criteria that's supposed to span three to five years while your business is evolving, I would consider those more fixed type types of automation. You may have a little different definition. And flexible, I would look at, I think we can go in and I'll, I'll tee that one up for you, but would how would you call, what would you call fixed automation? Yeah, I mean it, it's, it's it's similar lines, um, slightly different approach because I feel like you could have a singular product, right? Let's take a cross belt sorter as an example. Cross belt sorter, right? Highly capable sorter. You can have extremely high throughputs by increasing what's called your sort factor by making it a virtual sorter, um, and you can plan it for a lot of additional volume without really spending a lot of additional capital. So when I looked at fixed versus flexible, you hit on a key idea, which is, is it designed for a specific purpose, right? So as an example, if we keep on the cross belt sorter, well, cross belt sorter can be used as either a unit sorter, it can be used as a shipping sorter, it can be used as both. But if I design a unit sorter, if I design a cross belt to be a type of unit sorter specific to a certain type of unit profile, it starts to lean in towards its fixed automation. But we also look at cross belt sorters for a lot of 3PLs because cross belt sorters are great at handling bags and boxes at high throughputs. And with third party logistic providers, when they're looking at a multi client facility, you can really take a fixed automation like a cross belt sorter to make it very flexible by designing it for future clients, future volume, leaving space for future inducts, having future diverts. And it's not like I said in the beginning, you're not necessarily paying for all that infrastructure up front. You're just paying for what you need with the ability to add on later. So what I think it really comes down to is, are you designing it for a certain order profile, certain size product or, or, or unit? Are you looking for it to serve the next three to five years? And then you're looking to open up a new facility and just keep that one humming. Those are all kinds of the questions um, that I ask in order to give my recommendation or decision on if it's fixed or flexible. I do agree with you that conveyor racking, those types of things are definitely, you'll see more in the fixed category. Um, but even ASRS systems can can find themselves flexible if designed appropriately. So it's not a very clear answer, but I don't know that there is a clear answer from my opinion. I, yeah. I think it all depends on the company you're working with, the vision you have, the questions you ask, and what the future looks like, right? But you could really turn any fixed automation into a flexible system if set up appropriately. There's certainly, and we'll go into this next, technologies that at the surface level are much more flexible than others in terms of expansion, 
right? In yeah. terms of additional volume. So if or we take an example or modifications, right? Or modifications, if, right? Yeah. If we take an example, when we were, if we were looking at a ASRS um, mini load, so automated storage and retrieval system, a mini load, um, mini loads typically are there to service full case um, storage and retrieval. So you'll have a crane that you mentioned earlier with an elevator on the front. Well, that crane, um, in most scenarios, it, that's going to be your throughput bottleneck. In other words, you can't add another crane to that system. You can at times, you can make it two cranes if it's a long enough aisle and whatever else, but you're going to hit a point where it's just, you cannot get any more volume out. And if you run into a situation where your inventory or your SKU base is growing, but your volume is staying relatively flat, a mini load becomes a little bit harder of a technology to grow because for each aisle that you're adding, you're adding both volume and storage, which may work. And other type of flexible goods to person solutions, you could choose to add only storage, only volume, or both. So it's like another level of flexibility. But going back to the fixed, you know, just to summarize everything I just went through. I feel like almost all technologies can be made to service a flexible solution if designed appropriately. Um, but there are a lot of technologies that, you know, you anchor to the floor, you're not going to modify, they're there. So you have to be really smart and really analyze the data on the setup. They're not quite as forgiving as some of the others. Um, but that's kind of my summation. But I think you know what we can do now is talk more about the flexible, and I think we'll see some different some different opinions on what flexible is versus fixed. Yeah, let me let me hit fixed real quick too, because I think you hit on a couple keynotes. Is maybe it's easier for for our listeners eventually to visualize. You think of think of like a FedEx, a, a sortation center, a FedEx, a UPS. They're fixed automation. They're going to have a a rinse and repeat type of fixed automation that works well because they don't have the product variability. They do, but it, they 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 don't, right? They they have limitations to their build available or variability. They might have smalls, they might have parcel, they might have irregular type packages going through, but there's still constraints on it, weight and size limits uh, to some extent. Those are more fixed, rinse and repeat. But I think you hit something that's really so. Part of this podcast is 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 not, you know, it's not to promote. And, and really drive up business for us. But it's also to say, you know, like this is the Zion experience. So you hit on something like you can, I don't know that there's a clear delineation between fixed and flexible. I think you, I saw an article last week that somebody called fixed goods to person um, and called flexible industrial trucks and that they could move pallets around. And I'm like, well, that is, that's, that's, that is a that's way, one way to look at it. But I, I was like, yeah, that's, probably not how I would describe it, but then I'm not right. in the truck business either. And, right. Uh, but I, I think one of the things we get to see, and you'll go into this is it, it, it's, it's not really, there's not, there's buckets, there's fixed and there's flexible, but I think it's more of how you approach it and being in the three PL world, as long as we have been being in specifically omni-channel and the three, uh, not three PL omni-channel e-com retail, the variability that comes with working with third-party logistics providers you have to think through those items. You have to think, how are you going to repurpose? You have to think through flexibility because it's kind of like a project. When we say the only thing we can guarantee that's going to happen in a project is there's going to be a couple of things that go wrong. Mm -hmm. There will be. And the only thing you can really guarantee with the world and, and the businesses that we support in the 3PL world is 
there will be change. The business will change. You will have evolution. So how do you, how do you not overthink what flexibility you need and think through the future, but how are you smart about how you plan? And that's one of the advantages we get to do. We get to see how the best of everybody does it. And so we put it in the toolbox and we get to say, have you thought about this? Have you thought about if you're, if your customer dynamics change or if your box size changes or if you want to add bags down the road, why would you select this sorter versus that sorter? Why would you select this application versus that application? I think we can we can ask during our discovery process of the, the Zion life cycle, our six-step process in the discovery, I think we get to dive into a lot of those and really ask some questions. I sounded like ask. My English teacher's going to get on. I'm going to make her listen to this. Um, ask the right <clears throat> questions and listen to some of the responses and then guide that. And we call it what guide intelligent change, right? Right. Uh, right. Have you thought about this? Like today, this is where your business is, but Mr. And Mrs. 3PL company, what if, what if the next customer needs this for X amount more, you can put in a sorter that can handle both varieties versus you got to rip out and, and replace. So, right. I know I don't yeah. spend a lot of time on that, but I think it's I think it's important. It's, there's <laughs> there is fixed and flex, but it's not it's not that clean. It's not that easy. It's not that binary. Yeah, I mean, I think what it comes down to there, there's a couple of things is, and you hit on one earlier is lead times, and lead times can certainly, <clears throat> excuse me, they can certainly affect you know what we would recommend. In other words, if you're in a rapidly changing environment, whether it be you know, you're a customer that's starting off and you're having a lot of growth, whether it be a 3PL that is taking up a million square foot facility and leaving 400,000 square feet open for client, whoever. I think one thing that we can do is when we ask those questions, it's understanding your desire to react and how quick do you want to react, right? I mean, we, over the past few years, have seen clients that have had 50, 60, 100, 150% projected growth year over year for the next five years. Well, when you have that kind of growth, it's really scary to try to design a system five years out and spend all that money day one, because you're talking about, you know, quadrupling your business, right? right? So I think if we see that kind of growth, that could lead us to more of a recommendation of a goods to person type um, system, you know, and an ACR system. We have a partner in high robotics as an example, and they could be a good fit for something like that because of their ability to, add additional robots or add additional storage in a very short amount of time. But if you're going to have a little bit more of a runway up to that growth or that expansion, and there's an opportunity for, you know, uh, you know, maybe it makes sense. A lot of e-commerce applications will see unit sortation being used to increase your potential batch and uh, increase your pick efficiency or eliminate pick picking altogether if you're able to leverage mini loads and shovels. And they play a very important role. So I think to your point, there isn't a clear answer you know, we certainly have opinions and we could we could kind of put stuff in fixed. You know, this is really fixed. This is really flexible. This is kind of in between. This could be either. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to what your growth forecasts look like, what's important to you, how quick you want to react and how much you want to spend up front. There's some things that you're inevitably going to spend up front, an outbound sorter, right? Your conveyor to connect it, any sort of print and apply you may need, inbound, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, Jordan's opinion, any technology can be made flexible and any technology can be made fixed. It all depends on how you design the system and how you utilize the system to ultimately 
categorize yourself in fixed or flexible. Right. <laughs> and of course there's, there's, there's technologies out there like the pick assistant. Um, and those technologies, I, I, those will always be in the flexible. If you think about the, the, the locust, the, the gray orange, those types of robotics, I mean, they're, they're, they're purely made to be a flexible solution to assist your existing staff and to be able to maybe come into your existing environment and not have a huge cultural shift from, you know, I'm picking this today out of a, out of a ground level location. And tomorrow I'm picking at the front of a pick station that's, that's being fed to me with robots. Right. So there is, I, there is technologies out there that will always be flexible. And then I think there's technologies out there that I can't really think of any, this is just how my mind works that are truly defined as fixed. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on it. It's like there's lead time, there's cost, there's scope. What do you, you know, think of some of the pillars of project management in general? But those are the type of questions that you, and, and people have gotten smarter and the technologies have gotten smarter. I mean, a true flexible, some of these, some of these AMR, follow me, what is it, person to shelf, uh, goods to person. A lot of those have, the market has almost demanded that you need to be flexible because nobody, you don't have a crystal ball. And um, you don't know where you're going to grow. And so the the days of we, we've got to build it and put it the concrete down and you've got to bolt it in and, and know that I think we're I think the industry's gotten smarter. I think the offerings are certainly more. There's more of them. But the ability to be to be flexible anymore is it's almost a it's almost <laughs> it, it is almost a requirement of business now for a lot of companies to survive. And yeah, for and sure. Who is it? Chuck. I think Chuck says this all the time. The world is changing. at such, and he's been in this world for 35 plus years. The world is changing so fast. If I'm a company and I put my company hat on, this is, this is where I think we, we do well. We try to have the empathy and put ourselves, well, a lot of us, we've been in an operator seat. So we've been the buyers before, instead of just the sellers, if you want to, break it down as basic as that but if i'm our customers and clients we would advise them like we tell them how their money i we spend their money like we'd spend our own money so if i'm sitting on the other side of the table as a buyer and i don't know 100 percent for certain um phone's ringing here sorry but why you the days of investing and building for five years out i don't i don't know that those days exist unless you're they're still they're there's certain applications, right? But where we thrive and where we help and where we get to see and just see a whole different, we get to see a lot of examples in the 3PO world. Uh, they don't have that luxury. And right. I came from the 3PO world. So mm -hmm. I, I fully know of the balance of investment versus change. And you still have three to five year contracts. It's not like you, you are the end user and you own it and, and the technology is getting better. And look how much it's evolved. Uh, we, we say exponential. The world is changing every day and it will continue to change. And right. how you put the pieces together of a system. I think the companies that really figured that out, that do it well and help guide that intelligent change for other companies. I, I mean, I think you're, you're going to be in the right lane. That's, that's who people, that's who companies are looking for. That's who we, that's what our customers are telling us when we talk to them. Right. I mean, they're, yeah. They're, I don't think we've had a customer that says, here's what I'm going to be in the next five years and just let's build it. It's like, 
it's always how do you trade, how do you handle the trade-offs? I got limited capital or want to have limited capital with a, a three to five year contract or, or, a you know, at best, I know my business is going to look like this in 12 to 18 months. What's, what's the best solution for us? And I think that's where you and Drew and just Zion in general, I think, I think we thrive in that, that environment. I think you're one of the best you and Drew and you put your, your heads together. It's like, how do we make that flexible solution? Right. No, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think there's just a few last comments I have, but you know, there's a whole other ball game. You know, you mentioned low capital and and kind of an educated guess is what I call a forecast. That's all that it is, right? Yeah. So there is there's certainly avenues when you talk when you talk other flexibility. There are robots as a service or software as a service or RAS versus SaaS models that we'll probably spend a topic or, or have that as a theme one day. Those 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 kind of opportunities exist. Secondly, you know, whether you be a a retailer or a 3PL, when it comes to putting an automation to your point, if I've got a three to five year contract and I'm going to own the assets, well, the question we do get asked a lot is, well, hey, can I, can I pick this up and move it? Well, not really. I mean, any sort of technology you do, you can't really move it. However, you absolutely can design it to be repurposed, right? Because at the end of the day, with a lot of goods to person systems, it comes down to a few very inputs, right? How many storage locations? How many throughputs per hour do you need? What's your pick rate? And how many units per presentation do you think you can achieve? And you know, there's some data to support those and, and there's some conservatism built in, but those four inputs design a system. And those four inputs are almost universal across different industries, whether it be apparel or whether it be shoes, which are totally different, uh, pharmaceuticals, food and beverage. Those inputs remain the same, simply meaning that you can repurpose that system for a lot of different type of clients. And the last thing that I'll, you know, where my head was going is if you go to ProMat, if you are going to ProMat this year and you go up and you talk with some different robotic providers and you simply ask them, hey, do you guys consider yourself a fixed or flexible automation? I'm going to say almost all of them are going to say flexible and they're not lying to you. It can be designed to be flexible, but we have a thing that happens in this industry that causes confusion at times and people kind of fight back and forth of what's what, you know, before fixed versus flexible was warehouse management system, warehouse execution system, warehouse control system. You'd ask five different people that have five different answers for what it meant to them. But that's important. What does it mean to you and what are you really after? And that's what we want to drive to find out and help answer with you together. So that's a challenge for you. Fixed yeah. or flexible automation. Ask people at ProMat. Can almost yeah. guarantee you they're all going to say flexible because it sounds better, but it's also truthful. Yeah, just ask them to unpack it. Like, what do you? Right. What, just the conversation we had. I, I don't. If you ask me next week, I'd probably give a different description of it. But I, sure. I think at the end, if you summarize all this up, is all systems had the ability to be flexible, but ultimately it comes down to how you think through the solutions, what design data, the inputs, as you call it, go into it. And then just think through and get creative with it. How 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 can you use this for something different and think through would this catch 80% of the funnel versus trying to be very, you know, it's a shotgun type approach to to fixed and flexible versus a very rifle type approach. There are sure. that, even when we've gotten an itch, you you reminded me, this is the last thing I'll say, and then we'll go to our question because we're we're loud, is we we had an engagement in uh 2022 where we walked into what most people would consider a very fixed automation 
design system. It was built for a specific brick and mortar replenishment, uh, retail type replenishment model. And a 3PL that's a partner and customer of ours had bought it and repurposed. And they put different customers in, in the same solution. They were trying, they were trying to work different customer profiles and different, different types of inputs through a very fixed type solution. And you and Drew went in and worked with that operation team and, and you tweaked it and made it flexible to get them through peak of 2022 and explain where this profile does work and didn't work. And then why this cross belt sorter was designed for this. I think it was a unit sorter is being used as a unit sorter and they were trying to use it as a shipping destination sorter. And so you're never too far. I would agree that I, I don't think you put, I don't think you put, I don't think you can box in fixed and flexible. Oh, Oh, I'm getting a call now. Mom, mom's calling. Mom, uh, mom's calling. She's going to ask me about that later. Why would you decline me? It's been a very important meeting, mom. You hit it though. <laughs> so let's end it with this. We're always going to try to end with some, some, some question or something out for the audience, for the group. And if they make it this far and you all hear it and like it, we, it's great. Give us some comments. Let us know. Uh, we're, we're here to just kind of have conversations and hopefully some people it educates, but I would leave with ProMats coming up in two weeks. We'll be there. Uh, hopefully, if you're there and you get you get to see this and you want to meet with us, let us know. We'd love to meet with you and just talk. And we love meeting new people. It's a, such a great industry and community to be part of. But go up and ask the questions. If they say flexible, which they will, just ask them to explain it. And I think you'll 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 find that's that second layer question of anybody you're working with and us too. Challenge us. Like, don't just say words what does it mean? And then just, it'll drive good conversation to how you can use any type of automation to be sometimes fixed is okay. Sometimes you need it fixed because you got a very rigid order profile or you know exactly what you're going to have and that's what you need. Or just ask, how can you make it flexible and what options would work best? Cause what works for some won't work for others. Right. And then the last thing I'll leave with is uh, during, we, we have part of, part of our Zion culture is we meet one-on-one -on -one with all of our team members and we always desire to have conversations. It's not about work. It's not like bring me your task list. Sometimes it evolves into that, but it's really just, hey, how's your day going? Uh, Jacob, who you all can't see, is is meets with me once a week, and we just go through, like, what does he need help on? What can I help him with? I always ask a question is the gist. I talk way too much, but I always get <laughs> to a question, more of a leadership-style question, and so this week's question, something I saw somewhere, I, I, I should credit somebody with this because it wasn't my original idea, but I saw, ask the question of your employees of what do you need from me that you're not getting? And I framed it up to Jacob this morning is it's really a question designed to pull out. So I'm not asking the audience this, I'm just passing along. If you are a leader, a manager, or any relationship you really got, you, you could take this anywhere is ask, ask that other side of the void or the blank like what are you what do you need from me that you're not getting and the point is to ask out what what's supposed to happen and always happen is people will be really open and honest to giving back information that as as a leader or as a manager you may do things that you don't know that are not working for your employees not working for your coworkers, not working for your spouse not working for filling the blank so Ask the question, what do you need from me that you're not getting? Because how we're wired doesn't always help what the other person needs and what, what they're getting. And we call it fill a bucket up, hit their passion, what, what have you. So 
we'll leave you with that. And I think we'll, uh, we'll be back soon. And any parting thoughts, Jordan, you'll call mom back. No, (laughs) I will call her back. Uh, no, excited to get the pro mat. See a lot of you there. See a lot of our, our, our strategic partners and good business partners and, just get back in that atmosphere. It's just, it's just one of my favorite weeks of the year. Just a lot of uh, yeah, yeah. new technologies that I get to get out there and talk with and meet with and, and further build relationships with, with um, previously established ones. So yeah, excited for it. Um, excited we're doing this. I thought that was, it's always fun to talk through technology and robotics and software and distribution. It's, it's, it's a passion that I think we all have. And anytime we have an opportunity to talk about it, we're going to, right? So yeah. that's all I've got. And, Looking forward to the next time.